Boraway Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Welcome to Good for a Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. I'm MK Ashford. And I'm Cressy Cornis. And welcome to our 1989 Taylor's Version review episode. I'm so excited. I am too. We're going to discuss the album's reception so far, our personal highs and lows of the original tracks, and our thoughts on the five new vault tracks. So lots to cover. Yeah, let's just get right into it. Let's start with the reception of the album so far. So as of today, we're recording this on Sunday, November 5th, 1989 Taylor's version posted the highest single day streams globally for an album on Spotify in 2023. And it's the second highest ever for an album behind Taylor's Midnight's last year. It accumulated 176 million streams worldwide. And of course, Taylor's always doing this. She broke her own record for the highest amount of Spotify streams for an artist in a day, gaining over 260 million streams across her entire discography. I want to button and say that I saw a ranking of the single day streams and Not only is she number one with 186 for Midnight's and number two for 176 for 1989 Taylor's version, but number three is like in the 150s. Like she's so much higher than everyone else. I think that's really crazy. It's amazing. And she just beat out The weekend for the most listeners on Spotify. Wow. Wow. (laughs) What do you think about that, Abel? That's crazy. Anyway. In the first six days of its release, 1989 Taylor's version sold over 1.1 million traditional album units and 1.35 million units when you include streaming. 580,000 of those copies were on vinyl, which is crazy. That makes it 2023's top-selling album, and it's only been a week. For comparison, 1989 original sold 1.287 million copies in its first week in 2014. So it beat it. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that is cool. I mean, I would say it doesn't sound like it beat it by much, but like it did. You know, I mean, I think especially for like the times. I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. Very impressive, especially with all the vinyls. Like 1989 original didn't have a huge vinyl release like this did. I think that's amazing. Yeah. The culture around vinyls has changed a lot in the past 10 years. So I think that that's like interesting to watch as vinyls become more and more popular. And I think cassette tapes are about to take off too. So that'll be like cool to see yeah. as we move on, you know? And that's amazing for Taylor because if cassette tapes take off too, that's like three different sales for her. I know. Because there's still going to be the people who buy the vinyls. And then also straight, I also buy it on iTunes as well. That's potentially yeah. four sales per person. That's crazy. That's wild. And you know, there's fans like, you know, 
us and other people that do buy them all like every version yeah. and every vinyl and all the things so mm-hmm. and the different variants as well yeah yeah she's getting crazy with like the five different colors yeah. and the target and the all the stuff yeah but, I mean good for her it's clearly working so yeah marketing genius she's our capitalist queen so now let's get into the critic reviews. So on Metacritic, the album has a Metascore of 90. As a reminder, the Metascore is an average score from all professional reviews. So here are a few quotes from critics. Rolling Stone gave the album five out of five stars, saying, quote, 1989 was released almost a decade ago. In the last days of the mindset where pop music wasn't taken seriously by many cultural gatekeepers, Pitchwork didn't even bother to review it until 2019 four years after they reviewed the Ryan Adams cover of the LP. But now, in a post-raucous world, 1989 Taylor's version shines a lot brighter, end quote. The Independent gave the album a 60 out of 100, saying, quote, This revamp does at least serve as a reminder of the album's untouchable greatness, end quote. Variety gave it a 95 out of 100, saying, quote, It's not nearly as cocky and confident as the seasoned soul who wrote an album as lyrically clever as Midnight's. You still get a good dose of her seminal earnestness in these tracks, but there's a lot more of the woman who knew somebody was trouble when he walked in and went for it anyway, end quote. Ooh. Amazing. So, MK, before we get into the album, what did the people around you, IRL, your friends, think of this album? Um, I had some mixed reviews. I had obviously waited. Um, I think we mentioned this that we were gonna wait until we were together and like listening to it at a little listening party, but everyone that I talked to before I heard it was kind of like, ooh, like be warned. So I was really, really, really nervous going into it. Um, some people thought it was like about the same, didn't notice the differences, but most people were like, ooh, you're you're not gonna like it, which made me really nervous. Yeah, same. I saw a lot of tweets, uh, the subreddit pop heads that I love dearly did not like it. And I was so scared to listen to it because it seems like a lot of average listeners such as ourselves, not professional critics, didn't love it. But we'll get into our personal opinion in a moment. It does seem like this is very critically acclaimed so far. So that's awesome. Let's talk about the prologue. We have to talk about what happened. I know. The prologue was interesting. It's long. Yeah, we're not going to read it verbatim. It would take 10 minutes of us to do that. It's a lot. If you don't know it, open your CD or your vinyl or just Google 1989 prologue. But um, there were several things in this that caused a large reaction. Wouldn't you say, MK? Yeah, I would. I would say that. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's a, it was interesting. It was a lot more dramatic than I expected it to be. And she she called out some fans. She yeah, she did for sure. Why don't I read a little excerpt from it and we discuss it? This is what really gained steam in the media, on TikTok, on Twitter, everywhere. Yeah. Quote, you see, in the years preceding this, I had become the target of slut shaming, the intensity and relentlessness of which could be criticized and called out if it happened today. The jokes about my amount of boyfriends, the trivialization of my songwriting as if it were a predatory act of boy of a boy crazy psychopath. The media co-signing of this narrative. I had to make it stop because it was starting to really hurt. 
It became clear to me that there was no such thing as casual dating or even having a male friend who you platonically hang out with. If I was seen with him, it was assumed I was sleeping with him. And so I swore off hanging out with guys, dating, flirting, or anything that could be weaponized against me by a culture that claimed to believe in liberating women, but consistently treated me with the harsh moral codes of Victorian era. Being a consummate optimist, I assumed I could fix this if I simply changed my behavior. I swore off dating and decided to only focus on myself, my music, my growth, and my female friendships. If I only hung out with my female friends, people couldn't sensationalize or sexualize that, right? I would learn later on that people could and people would, end quote. Yeah, she said that. It does appear she called out a subsection of the fandom known as the Gaylers. What are what were your thoughts on this, MK? I don't know what I want to say on this. <laughs> I think it's just interesting. Like the way that she acted during the lover era was like very much giving more than ally. Mm-hmm. And every time she like takes a step forward in like not necessarily saying like I'm gay, but just like being more like normal about it. She has to step back and be like, but I'm not gay. It's like, okay, well, like, I don't know. I just think it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't think I can win on this one. I don't think I'm going to say anything right. So I'm scared to talk, honestly. Okay. I understand. I do think that it must be really, really hard for her to be in the position that she's in and have every move you make sexualized so much and regardless of your opinion on her sexuality and we've said on this podcast that like outing someone is wrong no matter if you believe this is true or not I don't believe it's true but I know a lot of our listeners think it is that's fine but regardless at the end of the day outing someone who doesn't want to be out is wrong regardless of all of that it must be really hard that you can't even grab coffee with a friend without someone writing fan fiction about y'all fucking you know that must be so hard i think what she was doing was a lot more than grabbing coffee yeah yeah like a lot more and i just think like it's a double standard too of like if it was a guy that she was seen with 100 percent all the time holding hands having sleepovers doing these like really weird vogue photo shoots where they literally look like they're dating like you know what it's just like if that was a guy, everyone would assume, but because it's a girl, it's, like, fucked up to assume. And that bothers me a little bit. I hear you, but she did just say that that happened to her with men. So she swore off hanging out with men. I guess. But, like, she didn't do nearly that amount of stuff with men. I get it, but it's also, like, it was a weird friendship. And I don't think it's crazy for people to think it was a little weird. I really don't. And I don't think it's like so far off and like disgusting and like insane for people to be like, that was weird, you know? Yeah. So I get it. I get what she's saying. Yeah. But yeah. Well, anyway, if you guys want to share your thoughts on this potential Gaylor call out, join our Discord. Let's talk about it. We are open to your thoughts. 
let's get into how you and I listened to the album. So I flew down to Orlando, Florida to listen for the first time with MK. We did not listen at all when it first came out. We were on a band. We didn't open TikTok at all. Didn't listen to it on the flight. We waited until Friday night. Yeah, it was difficult. Uh, we hung out all day. We like went and got lunch and we grocery shopped and we were in the car and I like literally could not even open Spotify. I was like so nervous, but we had to hold out because one of my best friends and friend of the pod now ex guest host, Caitlin, um, was throwing a little listening party for a few of our friends. So we all kind of like tried not to listen and like listen to it together to get each other's first reactions and like have that experience together. And it was really fun. We were like sitting around the couch. We posted some photos on GFAW, just like grazing on charcuterie and popcorn chicken and chips and dip and wine and all the stuff. So it was really fun. MK made an amazing charcuterie board. Uh, We We both made the most disgusting punch one could ever imagine, and we ended up pouring it out. It was really bad. Yeah, that was sad. It was like a $40 thing that just really went terrible. Yeah. Really went down the drain. It was so gross. It It was was not good. Yeah. It gave me heartburn in like three sips, which is not normal. (laughs) Yeah. Too much sweetness, but you live and you learn. Now I think I could make a better batch cocktail. Absolutely. Whatever. Yeah, we learned. But it was really fun to like sit around with your friends and like listen to it that way instead of just kind of by yourself. So I thought it was fun to see everyone's reactions and and talk about it together and kind of like, I don't know, dissect it. Yeah. I also think it was great that we listened to it for the first time playing out loud, like on a speaker from a TV instead of from our headphones, because Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of people saying that it does not sound great in headphones and it sounds better out loud. And I didn't know that going into it. So I'm glad that was my first reaction because I do think if I had, like you said, listened in headphones by myself, I would have been like, ugh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even in the car, I think it's a little worse than like on my Alexa or whatever. Yeah. It's weird. The yeah. mixing so weird. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, honestly, yeah. like gut reaction the first time, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Yeah. I still don't know if it is. I think we like let, gave it time to simmer and I think it's simmered worse than like what I wanted <laughs> it to simmer. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Have your thoughts changed? This is hard for me because as a lot of y'all know, 1989 is my baby. It is my era. And I knew going into this that I was not going to like it as much as the original just because of that nostalgia factor and because of how much I've listened to the old version. So I kind of I've gone into this knowing that and being a little bit more open, like just uh, accepting that it's going to be weird for me because of how close I hold the original to my heart. So I'm kind of in that same place like well, actually, let's just get into our highs and lows, and then we can really dissect what we mean by our opinions. Okay. I'll say my first high is Out of the Woods. 
I yeah, think she made so that strong. song. Yeah, I think she made that song sound so much more like complete and full. There's a lot more of the background sound. It's more continuous. Um, yeah, it just sounds like a more full 360 track, whereas the first one was like a little punchy. If that makes sense. Yeah, I really yeah. like it. Yeah, I agree. That one was a step up. Yeah, that was the first one too in the track list that I was like, oh. Okay, because the first three... Mm. Yeah. I also like how enunciated Blank Space was. Mm. I obviously love the original, but I do think the Taylor's version of Blank Space is pretty good. The pen click, mm. don't like the pen click, but that's fine. Blank Space is a low for me. I don't like the way she enunciates it. It sounds like like how she describes writing it. How she's like kind of said before that it's like all her little zingers that she's like thought of Mm -hmm. and she kind of like put them into one song. It sounds like she's just like stating things. You know, Mm. like it's like she's just like trying to say a bunch of sassy zingers in a row. Yeah. That's how I hear it now. Instead of her like kind of like singing it and it being fluid, it sounds like she's just like throwing out these like sassy lines like one by one and I just don't like I do not like the way she says good for a weekend it killed me yeah makes me so sad okay what's your next high um my next high probably I know places that I'm like a huge I know places fan stan Mm -hmm. I think it's in like my holy trinity of 1989 is one of my favorites and I thought that one sounds so good. I think it's stepped up. I think the eyes sound weird. The eyes are weird. Oh, I don't know. I don't I didn't notice that really. I just felt like the whole song sounded like darker and like Yeah. She had a lot more passion behind her voice, but it like it sounded really good. I don't know. I like yeah. it. I also think Welcome to New York sounds the same. I thought that at first but the more I hear it, the more I'm like, this isn't, it's a little more like high pitched and like, yeah, it's, we've talked about this and the editing and the production, but it sounds like it's like sitting, everything is sitting like on the song rather than in it. I don't even know how else to say yeah. that. I have no idea if that makes yeah. sense. It just sounds very like surface level to me. It's a wall of sound and mm-hmm. less complex and layered. Yeah. And not that that song was ever, like, super complex and layered, but I think it is a little bit more, like, it just sounds, like, high-pitched and just kind of, like, surface. I don't know. What about you? What's a a low for you? Oh, God. I mean, we have to start with style. I – first word when she said midnights, Mm -mm. I shook my head. Mm -mm. I was like, "Uh uh-uh. I'm out. And I was right for that. It kept getting worse from there. It sounds like she's singing on the music and not with it. Yeah. The the mixing is bad. The production is bad. That one is a uh, Christopher Rowe track. He is the producer from that. And I want to talk to him. I'd like to have a chat. It was almost the same for Blank Space as me. Like her voice was too punchy and it sounded a little high pitched. And And as we were listening to it, what I was missing from it was like the grooviness. Yes. It's not as groovy. It's more like staccato it's not quite right and I feel like her voice is a lot less sultry if that makes sense a hundred the original style is so sexy and sultry and she's she's taking this somewhere but this one it's like 
sounds like a cover. Yeah, yeah. It the does. emotion, the sexiness, it's not there. Mm-hmm. And I thought that she would nail it because she did nail like Wildest Dreams. And that was sultry. Yes. She did it correctly. Wildest Dreams came out like what, a year or two years ago, like forever ago. And yeah. it was perfect. And I was like, okay, I think we're going to, I think 1989 is going to kill it. But Wildest Dreams is like a high for the album now. And well, do you know why? That's because Wildest Dreams is the only track Shellback is a producer on for 1989 Taylor's version. That's why it's as good and as complex as the original. Ugh, I just want to know if she like didn't spring for Martin Shellback and Max Martin. Mm-hmm. It was Max Martin, right? Yeah. Yeah, Max Martin and Shellback. Yeah. Like, did she not spring for them? Did she not try to like get them? Or did she try really hard and they said no? Like, that's what I need to know because what the hell? So I don't want to say the rumors, it, but she butchered it. The word on the street, the rumors are, is that it's layered. The first is that they consider this to be uninspired work. They just don't want to do it again. And two, it is very difficult to produce a complex song, like so, as so complex as 1989, to redo that, like, beat by beat and then do that with all the different instruments like it's very hard tedious complex and they just didn't want to do it again that is the word on the street who knows that that's true but um knowing how complex those tracks were especially in comparison to this shit (laughs) sorry i get it like it's obviously very hard (laughs) but i think it's so interesting that they don't care because the average listener probably isn't going to realize that it wasn't reproduced by the same people and they're just going to think that they slacked off and made it shitty yeah i would love someone who understands producing to explain this and how much work actually goes into it because i know it's even more than what i'm thinking obviously but I felt that so hard with style. What's your next low? My next low is probably clean. That is I my... was going to do clean too. I know. I was going to do we it. We famously have fought over whether clean or style is the best song. I think it's, I think clean is the best song on 1989. I think it lacks passion. It's breathy and like weird. And it's not... She's not like belting it anymore. She's just, it sounds like she took a vocal lesson or like she's on Broadway now and she's just like singing it correctly and not with passion anymore. Passionately. Yeah. Yeah. She sounds bored. That was my note for clean. Like Mm -hmm. she sounds so bored, which is odd to me because I feel like live, it sounds good. It sounds like she's just trying to sound like a professional singer. Yeah. It's so weird. Um, do you have any more highs? I have one more high. Oh, I think I only said two. Pretty sure. Let's let, let's run it back. Let's hear your high. Wonderland. I thought that song did bring the passion. And I wrote in yeah. my notes, finally, with like a bunch of exclamation points, because it was one of the only ones that I felt really had passion and like those full rounded instrumentals that felt layered. Like I felt like that one and out of the woods are the only two. And I guess, uh, wildest dreams, but the only ones mm-hmm. that like really felt as layered and complex as the originals or. Okay. I can see that in Wonderland's case. I think better. Yeah. Speaking of 
the old deluxe tracks. Mm -hmm. New Romantics, what the fuck was that? What was Uh, that? uh, ah! (laughs) The toad screaming. What is this, Mario Kart? It's so... It's soulless. The the talking parts. It's soulless. It gave me the same vibes as Blink Space and Style, where she Mm -hmm. sounds so fake sassy. Like, she's, like, trying to deliver these, like, punchy things and she's her voice is like deep but it sounds like she's trying to make it sound deep it's so weird it's so weird yeah yeah it upset me i also i listened to this right before we started recording today to hope that my mind was changed it hasn't shake it off sounds like a karaoke version oh Um, the bridge she sounds it's not sassy. She sounds like a cheerleader. Again, like you were trying to say, like trying to hit those enunciations, lacking the passion. You know what I mean? Do you know what I'm trying to say? I do know what you mean, but not on Shake It Off. I like Shake It Off. Oh, that's good. I thought it sounded the same in the right ways. And the changes in her voice to me did sound sassier, but I didn't think it sounded as fake as these other songs I've mentioned. I thought it was mm-hmm. like fun. Um, but that might just be because that's the way I sing it too. And I think it yeah. made it a little less a little less cheesy, if that makes sense. Okay. Like the original sounded like she was trying to actually be serious about these lines, which is insane because yeah. they're ridiculous. <laughs> and in this yeah. one, it was like she like leaned into it and made it a little kitschy, which I thought was correct for that song. So I was okay with okay. it. But I know how you feel because that's how I feel about all the mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also the drum is out of tune. Oof. And now that we've gone over our highs and lows, we are going to take a very quick break for a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Now that we have done our highs and lows, let's get into what we're all here for. Let's talk about the From the Volt tracks. Yay. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. So let's go one by one. I think we just need to talk about all of them. Yes. First one, Slut, what we were all waiting for. It was written and produced by Taylor, Jack Antonoff, and Patrick Verger. I love Slut. I think it's fun. It's not what we expected, but it's not sad. So... I think I'm okay with my jokes about the word slut. <laughs> yeah. You're okay. You're you're clean. You're clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. Um, it wasn't sad. It's not what I expected. It wasn't like sassy or sad or sexy. It was a little it's a little sultry. It's it's completely agree. The bridge is so sultry. Let's let's talk about the bridge because I don't know if y'all have put two and two together. It is about morning sex. Half asleep, taking your time in the tangerine. That is the sunrise. Neon light, this is luxury. Like this is about slow morning sex. Oh my god. And his mouth just dropped. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. You're not saying Whoa. you're in love with me, but you're going to half awake. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. It's so sexy. It's not what I was expecting, though. I, I was hoping for something a little bit more fun. But um, just because I wasn't expecting this makes it bad. Like, I, I, I love the, the symbolism. There's so many colors in this. I know. I've been having so much fun dissecting the color. Like, I just did with Tangerine. I love stuff like that. Like, Flamingo Pink, come on. I know. I think it's like a per- – it sets up a perfect scene for you. The only thing I don't like about the song is the way she says, if I'm going to be drunk, I might as well be drunk in love. Yeah, I agree. Don't love that line. That's a little cheesy. And that's such an iconic line from an iconic song. Like, we don't need yeah. to re-say that. <laughs> no. I just uh, – I don't love that line. But the rest of it, 
great. I love it. Yeah. And I also want to call out the line in a rule in a world of boys, he's a gentleman. I find this so interesting because you guys know that in my mind and all of Taylor's songs, when she says boys, boy, she is talking about Joe Alwyn. But in this situation, she is calling Harry Styles a gentleman. Now, I know this was pre-Joe Alwyn, so this doesn't mean anything, but I do find this interesting. That's all. Yeah. I mean, boys only want love if it's torture. So I yeah. think in this era, she thinks boys are bad. Yeah. Men are good. Bad boys. Yeah. Do you think this is about Harry Styles or do you think this is about her rendezvous with Skarsgård? You know, I was picturing Harry, but could be Skarsgård too. This song is giving me the same vibes as Wildest Dreams. And I think we all like collectively assume that song is about mm, Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah. So I could see how this one is like, you know, one of those songs about when she stepped out from that relationship with Harry. And it's like, you know what? If they're going to call me a slut, like they might as well be looking, you know? So I don't know. I think it could go either way. But the line, everybody wants him. That was my crime. That does bring Haler into perspective, though. That's true. Because no one cared about the scars card back then. No. None of them. No. Not a single one of the brothers. Okay, that's no true. That's true. It's a good point. You're throwing points. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Now let's get into Say Don't Go. This was written by Taylor and Diane Warren, and this was produced by Taylor and Jack. So fun facts about Diane. She is a very successful songwriter who has nine number one songs and several top ten hits for artists like Faith Hill, Brandy, Hart, Michael Bolton, Aliyah, Celine Dion, Chicago, and Christina Aguilera, just to name a few. A few of her number ones include Turn Back Time by Cher and I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. Wow. What a resume there. That's insane. Yeah. That's and and hey, it shows. The song is so fun. It's like the saddest lyrics you could ever hear on top of the poppiest, funnest, catchiest tune. And I think like I think it's a hit 100 percent I have something to admit. It took me looking at the lyrics to understand this because I was like, what the hell does say don't go mean? Like, wh- what does that mean? I was like, stay. Com- she wants him to say don't go. I know that now. I needed to see the quotations around don't go. Okay. I needed the quotations. I was so confused. Then I looked at the official lyrics and I saw the quotations and I was like, oh, that's really funny. I get it now. Yeah. That's funny. I think it's awesome. I think there's a lot of good lyrics in there. I'm yours, but you're not mine. I say I love you. You say nothing back. Why'd you whisper in the dark? Just leave me in the night. Like, oof. Yeah. Oof. And it's 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 a lot of good lyrics on top of like a really fun song. You like forget that you're singing really sad things while you're jamming in your car. And I do think it's very like the 80s synth popness mm-hmm. of the album i really like it i like the instrumentals in it a lot yeah it very much fit in with the 1989 more than the other vault tracks did i think mm, agree agree i do see why she left it off though because it, um this isn't the right word to say but it is like a bit redundant I- i'm waiting for you to drive by like we yeah. already have a song with that yeah. i'm you know like all i'm about to fold unless you say i'm we, we've got like all of these themes already. Mm-hmm. So I get why she cut it off, but it's a really good song. She loves a recurring like theme, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. So next we have Now That We Don't Talk, 
which I love. It's tied for my number one of the vault tracks. It was written and produced by Taylor and Jack, of course. And oh my God, it's so good. Like this one in my notes, I was writing in all caps. I said, OMG, it's so good. WTF, it's giving midnights. I love it so much. That's what I wrote. This is my number one song from the album, like of Taylor's version. The production is amazing. It sounds like a Bleachers song. The lyric, I wish it wasn't two and a half minutes long. I wish it was 10 minutes long. I know, but like, I kind of like that. Like, it's so different for her. And it's like, she said what she wanted to say. She got out. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I, you guys, put a log on the fireplace, grab a blanket, because it is time for a Cressy story time from your gal pal, Cressy. I'm ready. I love this song so much because she doesn't have many songs that, um, in my opinion, that necessarily spell out men wanting a woman until she is how men, some men want a mystery. They want to chase. They don't want to know the real you. They want to see you as a little character, a little caricature. They don't want to know you beyond the surface level. And once they get below the surface level, they're gone. So um, the, like the lines, and the only way back to my dignity was to turn into a shrouded mystery, just like I had been when you were chasing me. I love that line so much. Mm-hmm. Remind myself the more I gave, you'd want me less. Remind myself how you faded until I left. Like, not even until you left. Like, you just, like, slowly backed away until I was like, all right, fine. Like, I guess this is over. That's crazy. I know. So now for my story time. When I was in college, there was this guy, and we both had a crush on each other. Like, it it was mutual. We took each other to our sorority and fraternity's date parties. Like, we liked each other. But at this time in my life, I was a big flirt and I didn't want to date anyone because I was having fun. You know, I was like 20. I don't even think I was 21 yet. I just was not interested in having a serious relationship in college. To me, that was gross. Like, that's, this is not why I'm here. <laughs> and he kept pushing it. He wanted to DTR. He wanted to define the relationship. And it was months of being like, okay, hey, can we talk about us? Can we let's make this official. Like, I really like you. Let's do this. Like we can do this, like trying to convince me. And eventually one night we're at a bar together and he's like, can we please go home and like talk about us? And I was like, fine. And we go back to his place and I don't want to say he wore me down. Maybe like the correct word is like, he won me over. And I was like, do you know what? Let's do this. You're right. Let's be boyfriend, girlfriend. Like, we both like each other a lot. Let's just see where this goes. And, like, he he won, basically. Like, he got me to agree after months of me being like, I don't want anything serious. Like, I really like the way things are right now. Next morning, 7 a.m., he wakes up and he changes his mind. And I, <laughs> you guys, I had literally texted my friends being like, hey, me and so-and-so decided to make it official. The way I was so fucking mortified and angry because I was like, you're the one that wanted this. Like, you were the one that, like, wore me down, convinced me. Like, I didn't even want this. And now I'm the idiot here. Now I'm the mortified. Oh, God. And this was years ago. And I still get pissed off when I think about it. But anyway, 
I'm glad this song puts that into words perfectly. So thank you, Taylor. I really needed this when I was 20, but I, I respect that you put it out now. Yeah. I mean, genuinely, it's what you need to hear now. So you can look back and be like, oh, thank God. Like, I understand this now. Yeah. But that is, oh, my God. If we have any. That is psychotic behavior. Any listeners under the age of 25, I promise the chase is all they want. That's it. Boys only want love if it's torture. Yeah. They only want love if it's torture. Because as soon as it wasn't, he was over it. You changed his mind. He's like, you know what? This this isn't for me. Let's 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 call it. That's let's true. let's back up, boys. Stuck. <laughs> oh my god. And I remember him being like, "Are you mad?" And I was like, "Yes." I'm in shock. I I didn't even. I was like, "I'm shocked right now." So anyway, um, yeah. let that be a life lesson to you all. Let's move on to suburban legends, written and produced by Taylor and Jack. It's my least favorite of the Vault tracks. Hated it. I didn't hate it. I said that I wrote that I liked most of the lyrics, like as we were listening to it, but something's just missing. I didn't love the I don't love the chorus. I think it's a weird theme. It's it's a weird storyline to go with. And I don't love like the school references and like the hometown stuff. It's just like it's not relatable because that's not who she is at all. And the only thing that could maybe like bring this back for me is if she was like thinking of her high school boyfriend and like wrote this song much later. But other than that, and the lyric, the way you kiss me in a way that will screw me up forever. I do like that. Yeah, it's nice. That is a good lyric. I, you know, I broke my heart because you were too polite to do it. Like I like those, but to me, it was giving the same like surface level vibes of the red TV pop songs that I don't like. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the clashing metaphors are just so clunky. Yeah. Overall, we have a metaphor of a school. I'm assuming she's using that as like the music industry and dating someone in the music industry and like prom is like the Grammys. That's what I'm assuming. But then we get weird other metaphors like about waves crashing, um, a clock. They don't go together. The suburban legend and the national treasure, you like don't live in the suburbs. Like I just don't, I don't get it. It's very clunky and I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it either. All right. Glad we agree. All right. Let's move on to the best one. Is it over now? Oh my God. Yeah. That is the best vault track. That is my favorite. My number one. I love it so much. I mean, this is a hundred percent about Harry. I love the way she she basically wrote a lyric that said, this is about Harry Styles. It is so unabashed. Blue dress on a boat. Your new girl is my cl- red blood, white snow. The notes that I typed that day, all caps, she read him to filth. And then in not all caps, it says, also feels like midnights. <laughs> it does. The, um, the rumors about my hips and thighs, that is so midnights. This sounds weird, but like it's kind of affirming these vault songs that everyone's like, oh my God, this sounds just like Midnight's. It's like affirming my love for Midnight's because I'm like, you know what? Yeah, these are incredible. So is Midnight's. But I love this song. I think it's so like sassy, but in the best way. And she's so psychotic. I love when she goes off the fucking rails when she's like, I want to brainwash you into loving me forever. I want to jump off things just so you'll come running and say the thing I want to hear. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we're crazy. And she gets it. Yeah. The rumors about my hips and thighs and the whispers. That's stuck in my head all day, every day. I love this song. Also, 
we have to talk about you searching every model's, model's bed, bed for, for something, something greater. greater. Yeah. If she has blue eyes, I will surmise that she'll probably date her. Whoa. She got his ass. She got his ass. <laughs> I need his reaction so badly. So badly. I love that all of 1989, we were all like, you know what? She wrote great songs about him. Sounds like they ended amicably. She took some fault for what happened in style. She's like, you know what? I'm with other guys too. I love that she went back and was like, no, I'm not cool about it. I was like trying to be cool and act cool. I wasn't cool. No. We're never cool about it. Good for her. You search in every model's grab for something greater, baby. Good for her. And I want to know why this song had, why did this song have so much passion behind it? And not the originals. Because you can't be like, oh, well, she's over that situation now. That's why there's less passion. But like this, the passion's there. So I don't understand why it's not hitting the same in the original tracks. I think in the originals, like I said, like she's too focused on making it sound right. Yeah. And trying to like fix it. Yeah. And it's just that's not what we need. We need this. We need this. And also, I people online have noticed, one, you search in every maiden slash model's bed for something greater. One Direction has a song written by Harry called Something Great. And it's about, like, someday we could be something great. And she's like, you're just mm. searching for something greater. Two, 300 takeout coffees, 300 days, 30 days a month, 10 months. 10 months sober, I must admit. Just because I'm clean, don't mean I don't miss it. You lost me there. That was a bit too much. You don't think? 300 days is 10 months. Where do you think she got the number 300? You think that was just a random number? I guess. 300 days is 10 months. Okay. Okay. You won me over. That's crazy. Well, anyway, we would love to hear your opinions on the From the Volt tracks. Chat with us on social media or in our Discord. I think this concludes our discussion on 1989 Taylor's version. Do you have anything else to add, MK? I may or may not be given Scooter Bronze and Pennies for a couple songs. Okay. Yeah, let's let's talk about that really quickly. The point of this album and the point of all of the Taylor's version albums is to devalue the originals. The fact that this merely exists devalues it. I am of the very unpopular belief that if you want to listen to the old ones, you can do that. Because the mere fact that this exists and that these are the versions that are going to be in commercials and ads and movies and in TV shows, it's already devalued. She's already gotten what she wanted. You can listen to the old ones. And also, it does prove a point when you stream these. But don't force yourself to like something you don't like, like I did with me. <laughs> that wasn't who I am. I have always, if I heard the original on like a Spotify playlist or something, or just in general, like it just popped up somewhere, I always skip it. I'm like, I can't listen to that for everything. Yesterday, I was listening to a Spotify made playlist for me. It was like for me, it was called like 2010s or something. Style came on. 
And I knew immediately that it was the original version. Yeah. And I couldn't skip it. I couldn't skip it because I was like, damn, this is so good. It made me really sad. Yeah. And what I am considering is making a playlist for myself called The Perfect 1989, where it is a mix of the old and the new to make sure that I don't just listen to the old versions that I don't like as much for no reason, but to have my Perfect 1989 be a mix of like the ones I genuinely I can't listen to Style and Blank Space. Like, it's bad. She will lose more money if I just don't listen to them. Yeah. I haven't listened to We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together since the new one came out. I don't listen to it anymore. Before, I listened. Now I don't. I think she's losing money. (laughs) So I think I'm going to make the perfect 1989 mix of old and new. And that's what I will listen to when I want to listen to 1989. Just please don't come for me. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. You You bought this album. You bought the Taylor's version. You bought the merch and you bought the originals. That's okay. You can listen to what you like. I wish. Oh my gosh. I used to have the CD. I had the 1989 CD and I totaled my car and lost it. So that's on me, you know, and I can't take that back. That's okay. That's all right. If anyone has the CD, the original and feels like giving it up, which I'm a hundred percent sure no one does, but you can mail it to me. I'll take it. Something similar happened to me when I had to get a new car. I left my old 1989 I just bought a new one on eBay. Oh, that's smart. Came with all the Polaroids and everything. Oh, love that. It was fine. Yeah. It was used, but it was fine. That's fine. Okay. Anyway, I think that's what's going to conclude it. (laughs) Yes. So that concludes our discussion. Get ready for a very exciting month. We have so much to talk about in our deep dive this month. It is the Harry Styles episode. And I am preparing for a very jam-packed Swift report at the end of the month. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode and we will see you very soon. Bye-bye.